Welcome to another episode of Heated Conversations. We have our second Division Three program on today. Super excited. This coach is brand new to being a head coach at this program. We recently had her former head coach on the podcast who has transitioned into doing championship culture coaching. Well, she was under uh, the previous head coach in Becky Bolio and is now at the helm at the University of Wisconsin Stout in Wisconsin. Welcome, KJ, to the podcast. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. Good, good, good. KJ, so how has it been so far? Um, how long has it been? Like a month and a half, two months? Yeah, um, I guess I probably knew because Becky shared with me that she was planning to resign and move into something different. So I probably knew like in the early, earlier part of August. And then, you know, our first business was to tell the team and the staff. And then um, I was like pretty quickly, like within the week or two named as the uh, interim head coach. So and they will do like the full search after this season. It's what we decided. So in the 80s, that was kind of an 80s decision and just what was best for the program and what decisions had to be made right away and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it's been a crazy wild ride, but it's, I, I'm loving it. I think it's really fun. Um, I don't know. There's never like a boring moment at work, which is, I don't think there really was before because I coach gymnastics and I work with uh, college, college age athletes, but you know, certainly not now. Yeah, no, that's good. So kind of talk about what emotions kind of went through when you first found out that she was resigning. And then when they named you the interim head coach, what emotions kind of rose up and then finally being named the head coach, at least for the season, as you just mentioned, where they'll um, do the interview process next season. Um, what were the emotions fi finding out that you're going to be the head coach of University of Wisconsin South for this season? Um, I guess I would like shock was really the first thing. I didn't see it coming. Becky's, you know, she's like, if you know her, she's a hundred percent kind of person. And she goes all out for the things that she does. So she's either like in it or she's not in it. So just for her to say, I'm stepping back was shocking. I didn't really see it coming. Um, that being said, I've had my sights set on a head coaching position for, oh gosh, probably like 20 years now. And just knowing that I wanted to, first it was like, I want to coach gymnastics when I was younger. And then I realized all the places you can do it. And I got to know more about college gymnastics and just became like this super fan. And then as I kept coaching more and more, it got to like a more realistic place. So like, okay, I think I could be an, a volunteer assistant coach. And then I did that. And I was like, you know what? I also think I could be an assistant. And so as I was working through that in during COVID, I decided that I had my site set on getting a or being a head coach someday. So I want, I got my master's in um, exercise science during that time. And so kind of like initially shock and then relief that I had like just finished the degree within the last year and a half or so and made myself qualified to even like take the position in the long term. So, um, you know, get over the shock and uh, happy to hear that like Becky is on a path that she's passionate about and is it's gonna see her boys more and stuff like that and then just like really excitement i they kept the ad's kept laughing at me like every time they would introduce me they'd be like she's really excited and i was yeah. like well have you met me in life i'm just a very excited person i think so i wouldn't take this job if i wasn't excited about the job i mean it's a lot of work right so yeah whole spectrum of emotions i guess but ultimately happy ones no that's good 
And what was your position uh, specifically prior to this um, transition happening? Like, what were you, what was your job for the gymnastics team? And also, did you have... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Um, It was just assistant coach and then um, recruiting coordinator. And then we just have a being a D3 program, a much smaller, like well of resources and staff members to work around or to work with us. And so probably, you know, just like everything that assistant coach, like a staff of assistant coaches would do somewhat falls to me. And then you just do what you can do as one human. And then we use a lot of like student assistants and stuff like that for different, more specific tasks in the office. Yeah. And did your coaching role change in regards to what events and you may or may not know that yet, but as you're kind of navigating through that and um, putting together um, your staff and stuff like that, have you um, made a transition and what were you coaching prior to the transition? And then what do you plan on with what you know to coach this season? Um, I was coaching on bars and, uh, bars, vault, and then on floor, I do like most of the spotting on floor. And then also that comes with coaching because you're just there and you're catching and stuff like that. But, um, and then I didn't do a ton of beam coaching. I'm, I'm now coaching everything as we're transitioning into getting a new assistant coach and that in. And, um, we've had some alumni stop by. I've invited them in to do like a guest coach day where they get to like make the assignment and they watch beam or vault or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then our volunteer coach has been, coaching a lot of beam and then she's helping out a lot with like floor getting floor music sorted and floor choreography and stuff. But as far as like the transition, I wasn't the lead beam coach before, so I wasn't making the assignments, but Becky always took input on any event that I had ideas on. So um, it wasn't like I was not thinking about beam. It just wasn't really my end responsibility. But if I had a beam idea, I would go and or say it. And we would do like switch days where I went and coached beam and she went and went to bars. So yeah, all four events. I don't really have a, a specialty event. I think I like my heart is probably with bars the most. Yeah. My favorite event to coach and my favorite event to watch. But uh, some days you just have enough of bars. You're like, I'm, I'm going to go coach beam today. I just need this difference. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear that. I hear that. Now talk, also talk about your 20 year journey into wanting to become a head coach. Where were you during those times? Were you always in college gymnastics? Um, were you a volunteer and you mentioned volunteer and assistance? Um, what other universities or colleges were you a part of? Um, I've only ever been part of this college, but I'll go way back. So I started gymnastics pretty late. So as a nine-year-old, I wasn't really good, but I was like in love with it right away. And then by the time I was 10, I had already decided that I really wanted to be a coach. So like when you do your go to school and dress up what you want to be when you're older, I was always like, hmm, gymnastics coach. Like I'm writing speeches about it. I got my track jackets, all that kind of stuff. So (laughs) from a very young age, I was like, hmm, I cannot do this sport very well, but I do love it. So um, it started there. I started, I went through high school gymnastics um, and they kind of, um, my coaches in high school sort of showed me like, I don't know, like th- that was their passion and they, they showed it and they let it out. And it wasn't like in my family, sometimes it was a more like, what's your real job? Sports are just like the side thing that you do for fun growing up, you know? And so when I saw 
what my high school coaches, Joel and Clean, were doing and how they were living, I was like, oh, I didn't realize that was an option just because that's not how my family works. So mm-hmm. they really showed me that you, you could chase that a little more. So I coached through um, with them, like before I even graduated, I was coaching youth gymnasts with them. I coached through my college years with them on their high school and their youth staff um, doing a lot of beam coaching at that time. And then for the younger athletes, every event coaching, um, I finished my degree, I have a degree in cell and molecular biology. And so I finished that and it was like 2008 and there was no jobs available. So I worked for a little bit with special needs adults who had just graduated from high school working like with their transition. Yeah. And I thought like, this is cool. And I like helping people. And then from there I got my first like full-time, it was almost full-time, but, um, it was, it was my, like my only big job at the time, I guess, um, coaching and running the competitive program in Northfield, Minnesota, okay. in a, in the Midwest amateur gymnastics association. And they, it's all based on the high school league rule book. So they're kind of like training, building up a high school program there. So I did that for about a year and a half or two years. And then I started moving all over with my my husband, my partner at the time. Well, I guess we were married at the time. He got a Fulbright Fellowship in Norway. So we moved to Norway for like 10 months and I did coach there, spoke Norwegian, all the craziest stuff. Like kids would get me to say bad words in Norwegian because I didn't know it well enough. So <laughs> I was like, it was, it was really fun though. It was just a lot of stuff. And then from there we, hmm, what was next? I'm just like coaching the whole time. Right. And every time you go into a new club, I'm like starting, you walk in and you say like, Hey, I coach and I have competitive gymnastics coaching experience. And they're like, okay, we have a lot of rec coaching spots available. I'm like, okay, what nice, what time, when you want me to be here? (laughs) So I'm like starting at the bottom and they're like, Hey, I think you can maybe take over pre-team. And I'm like, cool. What nice is pre-team, you know? And so every time you just start over. So that happened in Norway. And then we came back. Um, He finished his PhD. He's a PhD in mechanical engineering. And then we, he moved to, or we moved to Denver area where he got a job at the National Renewable Energy Lab. So he was doing that and I was working at Tigar out there. And same thing, like I came in and started rec and pre-team and then worked my way up to be in charge of their compulsory program and stuff. Um, then we moved to Australia <laughs> from there. So then I coached for two and a half years in Australia. Um, exact same story, like come in, coach their level ones and twos. And then I'm like, you know, the women's team program leads. So after two and a half years there, and then when we came back to the United States, we wanted to just get a bit closer to our families. Um, we had, we had two kids by that time. And so we were like, okay, it's time to like be a bit closer. And he got a job at UW Stout. And I was like, cool. They have a gymnastics team. So then I walked in and to the office and asked if they had any like jobs on their, you know, their youth team. And they're like, "Mm, we really don't. I was like, okay, well, here's my number. Let me know if any hours open up. So then a week later, they're like, do you want to be in charge of our team? (laughs) I was like, okay. So I did that. And then during that year, I can't remember if it was the first or second year here running the youth program. Then I also did volunteering. I was like a volunteer coach with with Becky and Seth at the time. And then when Seth left, I was hired on as the assistant. So it was like a pretty long gymnastics journey, but a really short time in college. college gymnastics at least so yeah no that's a lot of traveling and a lot of experience and a lot of fun fun adventures and cultures to probably learn about um 
it's really cool to coach gymnastics. Like it's, it's the constant and all those things is like the coaching gymnastics and how they, I mean, every country is so different. Every set of rules though is really similar in a lot of ways. So you just start learning about all that and how every cult country like approaches youth athletics. And it's, I think it's interesting. Yeah. No. And I feel like gymnastics is one of those sports. You can pretty much go anywhere across in the world and you can work at it. Right. Where mm-hmm. um, sometimes like football, it's mostly an American thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other sports too, but I feel like gymnastics yeah. is one of the ones um, that is really international, you know, and um, it's growing. I feel like in the world a lot more and with, you know, the Olympics coming up and stuff like that, you're going to be able to see a lot more countries that are represented because you know in the past we've seen a handful of countries that have been pretty dominant in the sport and so those are the ones that really think about you know the teams like um the u.s uh, russia (laughs) teams like u.s russia you're good um china um japan you know some of those european countries and stuff like that and we're um, now it seems like there's other countries like in South America that are m- making a, a move, you know, other countries in Europe. And um, even I think Africa is starting to grow um, in the next, I could, you know, see in the next 10 to 20 years where Africa, you know, is competing at a high level on the world stage just because, you know, it's one of those sports that, um is really fun and is really also it's it's a sport that translates to life a lot right the lessons that you learn but also what it gives you physically in regards to the work ethic but also the coordination and all that translates well to everything that you're going to do in life and so i can see why it's been on the rise and um i think simone has also helped it you know in competing as awesome as she has been and stuff mm-hmm. like that yeah everyone uh, knows her but there's some i forgot i can't remember her name but she was a french athlete but she was competing for Algeria, or she she has like probably dual citizenship or i don't know what happened with the french federation but she was competing for algeria just now at the world championships i and she did really well like she i mean bars is her specialty she did great but don't you think just having like that representation matters even if she's not I, I don't know. I just think being able to compete for the different countries and having someone represent that country is going to go back to that home country and inspire people who are actually and like build the programs back there as well. So I kind of like that. I don't want, I'm not like uh, in favor, I guess, of like, I, I don't want Americans to like take all the world spots, but I think sometimes having people who have that dual citizenship and that heritage are like, it's cool to have representation. That's what starts it all. Right. Yeah, but I think it's also helped a lot of athletes here in the U.S. because um, it's given opportunities for, for especially in college, right? Um, mm-hmm. Even I see this in club gymnastics here in Texas. It gets so many people to an opportunity to represent their country where mm-hmm. they never would have, right? Uh, yes. And I think the pride that comes with it and how you said the exposure that it comes you know, it brings to that country, I think is huge. Um, So many um, collegiate athletes who are able to either, you know, relive some of their, um, not really club, but their elite um, careers while still in college and go compete 
at world championships. And hopefully, you know, we'll see next year compete for Olympic spots for different countries and stuff like that. I think that's really, really cool. And there's, you know, club athletes who are now, you know, training in the U.S. who might be born in the U.S. but have parents from a different country and have kind of that same uh, dual citizenship that are able to go and represent another country. And and I think, you know, that's something you can never take away from someone to, you know, say that, hey, I went and competed on at a world championship or, hey, I went and competed in the Olympics and just being able to have that be part of your resume and part of your story. And also you can go speak to other athletes because you know where before um especially if you're trying to make the olympics if you're in the u.s you know you're trying to make the olympic team for the u.s and it's very very difficult and yeah. with the 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 in the last few olympics with the change of numbers of athletes that they lauded to be on a team it's very difficult to make it on the team right yeah, but some is. of these countries don't have really any competition in regards to other you know federations that or other clubs and stuff within their country that they can go and represent and now it intrigues people and it, even you, you know american coaches who are going overseas like you have and are part of some of those um some of those countries and to build it just like i think a lot of those you know russians and bulgarians and chinese did for the u.s coming here yeah it kind of feels like they're those college athletes who get to go back and uh, I mean, Aaliyah Finnegan comes to mind, right. But there's other, a lot of others in that category who are, it feels like they're now like in control and they're writing their elite story and their, their journey. end. and I, I like that aspect of like, um, and we've been moving that way for a while, right. In gymnastics, like out of the, like, you know, little girls in pretty boxes image and more like this is women's gymnastics and they have a say and they have a voice and they can do this sport at like after puberty and be at the height of the sport after puberty. And so I think for me, it's all like, it's just really good to see that narrative is being continued and that they're in control of it and they have a voice and a say and, and they seem happier and healthier, I guess, uh, doing it that way. And like you said, it's so, so hard to make those like what is it five olympic spots this cycle now for the u.s a country as big as it is with as big of a gymnastics program it is it seems crazy that the we just five athletes every four years so it shouldn't be like i didn't make the olympics for the u.s so my you know elite journey or my dreams are dashed i like that they have other ways to have that forever yeah and having a lot of you know your universities that have those athletes that are doing that, I think it's huge. And, you know, going, thinking about some of those other countries like um, Florida, you know, having athletes on their team that are competing and being able to go and be a part of that and being their coaches and, you know, going to the world championships and stuff like that with that, with them. I think that's, again, I think that's huge. And I think it's great for college because it also allows some people, because it, it used to really be, I feel like until more recently, it's like either you, you know, do really well in elite and you kind of stay in that world or you go and do college gymnastics, right? Where Mm -hmm. in the past few years, it seems like there's a lot of um, people who have done well in in elite going to college, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We hadn't seen as many people go from college back into elite 
you know, and seeing that now I think is huge. And it gives opportunities for those who who say, hey, I don't want to give up my chances of doing, you know, elite in regard to competing on a world stage or Olympic stage and stuff like that. It, you know, it, it gives hope and also it allows other people to know, hey, where are some of these places that I may have some of these opportunities, you know, yeah. and I think it also is going to bring more eyes to college gymnastics just because you're going and competing in front of the world rather than, you know, we're just competing nationally and, you know, having national views. There's now eyes on um the college from the world. And I think it'll also bring some more international, you know, athletes from different countries to the U uh, to the U S for college at a higher rate than what has been in the past, which I think will be good and show the diversity of the sport and diversity of what other countries offer, you know? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely, I get, you know, emails from recruits from, a lot of different places. And I think a lot of it has to do with representation, right? Like elite athletes from Australia come to college gymnastics. People are fans of them. They follow their journey here they watch college gymnastics. And all of a sudden you have this like whole generation of young Australian gymnasts going, maybe I'm going to reach out and see what it takes. You know, like they're thinking about that. So I think that's really cool. Certainly the ability and the, you know, like sort of the growth of how we view college gymnastics in the last what 10 years or so has really helped to like, just, you can see it now. You can see a lot of meets. You can see a lot of gymnastics. It's a prime time thing. Um, that helps a lot too. Yeah. No, for sure. to it. so yeah. that's, like, that's what we want, right? More of that, more right. gymnastics. And I wonder too, if it'll start to, you know, start to open doors for more countries um, at their universities to start to support some of these sports as well and not just do it on a national level where the only way you can represent your country or do the sport um, is if you're either in a club or if you are on a national team or anything like that where now you can, just like in the U.S., I can go to the University of Wisconsin Stout and do gymnastics while getting my education or I can be in you know, Algeria and going to a university there and doing the sport that I love. And then, and it grows. I'm excited to kind of see how that grows and hopefully it, you know, it influences that and makes it even bigger. Mm -hmm. Now going back to uh, UW um, Stout and uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, what are some of the things that you look forward to now being the head coach for the season and what are some of the things that you have um, thought about as a mission and goal that you want to make for the program? Um, I mean, as previously mentioned, I'm a very excited person. So I guess I look forward to tons of season, like every day, getting to go into practice like okay all my stuff's done it's 2 30 like the gymnasts are arriving the the spotters here like woohoo that's the best part of the day so I think just on a really micro scale every day going into coach is fun right like I get to watch really great gymnastics all the time um team wise and goal wise I think um well you know you just talked to Becky and so her her passion has been the culture and the that like she's really brought that into the gym a lot and I think for me and for this team we got to find what our 
um, what drives us and what all our culture is going to be and how we're going to approach that conversation. Cause it's obviously important, but I think trying to do like, you know, like trying to do what Becky did or, or exactly how she was is just kind of like a second rate version of her. It's always going to be. So we need to um, lean into the things that are important to us. Uh, the sophomore class this year who were fresh. So the freshman class last year um, really brought a vocal aspect to setting team goals and stuff. And they weren't, they weren't afraid to put really big team goals out there. Mm -hmm. And and then we would just walk through it together. Like if, if we drop a meet that we shouldn't have dropped, or if we, you know, sneak through at the Y championships when it wasn't really like the most likely outcome, but we still do it together. And, and we walk through all those like highs and lows together. So they've already said uh, national championship is on their radar. They want to go back. They want to vie for a title again. And I, I'm fully in support of that. So I look forward to doing that with them. Um, yeah. And how yeah, many, a lot of different things, but yeah. And how many athletes do you currently have on the team? I think we have the biggest UW stout team ever and it's at 22 right now. So we lost um, one senior that was competing last year. Um, one freshman needed to, her body is not healing the way it needed to. So she injury, like, you know, decided not to come back because of that. And everybody else is returning. And then we added six for this year. So five freshmen and a transfer. Awesome. So we're at 22. Awesome. And yeah. have you thought about also, because you mentioned how those freshmen have, you know, voiced their goals and they weren't afraid. Have you decided how you want to structure your leadership team in regards to captains or do you want to do a leadership team? Because if you have freshmen who are willing to speak up or now sophomores who are willing to speak up and talk about it, do they get the opportunities to, um, you know, have leadership roles in the team? Um. Yeah, I've thought a lot about leadership, I guess, is the answer and had a lot of conversations with the, uh, you know, people on staff and people I trust their, their advice. Um, I will, I move, I expect everybody to show some uh, leadership traits and some type of leadership. And we just actually yesterday or Wednesday, so two days ago, we did, we do like a little um, leadership questionnaire. And it's kind of designed in a way that makes them think about how they can contribute and what are the things that you do that make you a leader, you know, because yeah. I think, and then, and then it also is, I guess, designed that it gives them an idea of how, what I view and what I value in a leader, you know? And so it's just stuff like who are your three most dedicated athletes on the team? Who are your three hardest workers? Who are your three most likely to help when they realize a teammate's struggling, you know, who yeah. are the mo three most positive vocal leaders, you know? And so it kind of, um, right now we're sort of setting the scene in that way for here are all the ways in, in which leadership can happen or here, here are like some example. And, and the next step is where do you fit in? Where are your strengths? Like what can you bring to the team and, and where can you improve on that? You know, because I think taking the, the shy, quiet introvert and trying to make them the most vocal leader is, is a, you know, setting them up you're setting the team up to fail and you're setting them up to feel like a failure. But if yeah. they're the hardest worker on the team, that is a form of leadership. You know, if they're the most reliable, that is a form of leadership. So to get back to the original question, everyone on the team is expected to lead in the ways in which they are capable of. 
and the expectation is that you improve. So now we're, we're taking like a baseline. Um, we thought about it. We'll talk about it as a group. And then I, I ask that you get better in some way. Like you add more to whatever you're starting with and whatever your starting point is. And then in terms of organizing, like, you know, we're getting on the bus or we're sorting into cars to get to this place or those kind of like very practical leadership. I pretty much always go to seniors. And if there's very few seniors, I rely on juniors. And so they just get that they've been around. They are just expected to lead in some way. And it's, you know, like it's just putting a little more responsibility on them because they are the people who are going off into their careers the soonest. And so getting them used to like having some, um, responsibilities, I guess is, is good. Yeah. And, they, and they've earned it. They've been doing gymnastics for 20 years. Some of them. Yeah, no, it's good. You can organize the bus. Like yeah. we're, how we're getting our equipment carried out to the bus. You got that. I believe in you. Right. <laughs> right. Um, some other things I want to talk about is, um, first, where are you guys located? I probably should have done it in the beginning, but I did it. That's okay. Do you so want the whole, the info about our university and stuff? We're um, about an hour east of Minneapolis, St. Paul area, like the, probably even 40 minutes from the edge of the metro. So we're in Wisconsin, but we are almost closer to the Minos- uh, the big Minnesota city. Cool. So. Very cool. So you guys mm-hmm. are in the Midwest and in mm-hmm. the previous podcast, talked about the conference a little bit. So you guys are also part of that WIAC conference that has a mixture of um, Minnesota schools, the three Minnesota schools, the five Wisconsin schools. And I've heard that there's one new school in Iowa Simpson that is joining the conference, correct? Yes. So in 2025, we will have Simpson added to the WIAC. Okay. So not this coming season, the following season. Correct. Yep. Awesome. That's exciting. But you're really making me think hard with that this season, next season, because it's not even 2024 yet. (laughs) Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. I know, especially with, you know, um, not that you wouldn't know this anyways, but being a head coach and getting all this new information and trying to, you know, um, absorb everything and trying to, you know, relay it to um, people and stuff like that can be quite the challenge. Um, Who do you currently have right now um, as, you know, staff? Um, is it just you right now? Do you have any student um, uh, student coaches? And I know you mentioned that you guys are looking for assistant. Do you guys have a timeline in regards to when you guys are planning to have that assistant? Uh, yeah, I have great news. Uh, our assistant just started today. So he's in, he's doing a campus walk about right now and collecting like IDs and different stuff. I was like, cool, you do that. I'll do this. I'll catch you on the flip side. So I do have, um, it's definitely not just me. I'd be lying, liar, liar. If I said that I'm getting, I feel crazy busy and I feel so supported. I think like probably at least once a day, I'm just floored by, uh, the help I'm getting from all different places. So it, our staff is now in place. It's me. I just hired an assistant coach. I'll wait on the official announcement to tell you, but I do have a I do have an assistant in place, so happy about that. And then the volunteer assistant coach has been working with us for she's been working with me since I got the job, but she's been working with a team for the past week or two. So we're I mean, I think I mentioned before the podcast started, but we're just like getting our um, systems in place to bring her in. Uh, she coaches from a wheelchair, so she's on site sometimes, but she's mostly off site. And so just making sure that we are 
um, accessible and she can hear us, we can hear her, she can see us and getting used to all that. But, um, you know, every day I'm thankful I work with adults and they do half of that stuff better than I do. So that's been really cool. Uh, we have a, a bunch of students that work with us. So I have, uh, like an office manager who was here under Becky and she's been here like three years now. She's great. She can take care of so much. So if you're emailing me, you probably get CC'd on the email with her at some point. And then I have some more part-time workers that do stuff like help out with Sega, which is our youth program that we run. Um, and some different graphic stuff and website or Instagram stuff. And then we also have a student spotter. He's starting his third year with us. His name's Foster. So very cool. Um, I'm surrounded by people that help me immensely every day. That's awesome. No, that's good. I can I can't even imagine going through, you know, um, especially something that you didn't probably have as much time to really get ready for, right? Mm-hmm. To, um, have as much support that you do um, mm-hmm. to kind of get the season going. And, you know, before we know it in the next few months, season's going to be here and you guys are going to be competing and there's going to be fans in and stuff like that. And it's going to be, you know, surreal and, um, and super exciting. So I think support is always great. And I'm very, very glad to hear that you have (laughs) support, um, at the university. Thank you. Um, what are some academic things that Stout is known for and how, do you guys structure your practices to make sure that athletes can balance their um, student athlete responsibilities and get to their classes and fit their classes in? Um, I actually love talking about the academic side of UW Stout. So I mentioned before that we came here because my husband got hired um, to teach mechanical engineering classes here and in that department. Um, Stout is a really unique university and then it's one of the only polytechnic universities in the midwest have you heard that term before no it's like it just means at its most simple it means hands-on learning so the second you come to campus you're basically in labs and in classrooms and that and just like learning in that way so we have way less lecture halls on campus than we have labs and then when you start in that lab area or this like hands-on area you it really quickly moves to like community connections i would say so uh students get a lot of uh i'm struggling for the words but like they really have good experience when they leave uh their four-year degree or their their years here, they're really ready for the workforce, right? Because they've already worked in the workforce and that's something our university just like, it meets its milestones and it has to do all these things um, to like be classified as polytechnic and, and it makes it a cool experience for our athletes and all of our students really. Um, I think it's harder, it's really easy to see how uh, like a mechanical engineering degree can be hands-on and and polytechnic applied you know because they're going in they use the equipment and then they do their internships and then people love to hire uw stout students in the area because they know that they've already worked on like all these different equipment and another thing like that with the engineering programs and, and those similar to that in that area like they all learn how to weld they learn how to um use the i can't even remember what it's called like the metalworking and, and casting so not that you're probably going to get an engineering degree and go weld but if you're designing things for someone that has to weld it does help that you've like sat there and done all the like little tick welding things on your own so there's like it 
Um, it's a cool aspect for that. And then for the more business side of it, they do stuff like they run campus businesses, they run businesses like within the town and, and just communications and stuff. So their lab is like not your typical lab with machines and, and stuff like that, but they still have like that hands-on learning uh, aspect to it. So I think that's a really cool part of Stout. And then academically for our team, um, we're D3. So they're here for like love of the sport. They're really competitive uh, and their academics always comes first, really. So we have a pretty set practice schedule that we try to keep from semester to semester. And then we ask that the athletes do everything in their power to have their classes done before that, or I guess a few later labs and stuff could be after the practice as well. Um, it's usually the classes, if they know, like I'm going to have this conflict and it's going to really affect one day a week, my practice time, they'll take it in the fall if they can. But the, the older they get in their degree, the more they're likely to be conflicts, but also the better they are just coming in a little bit late, doing their warm up and getting their assignment done. So it all just works out. I'm, I don't know if there's anything like really special that we do to structure it. Not really just have assignments written down, be clear and, and the expectation is if you miss it because of class, then you get it done. Yeah. When you <laughs> And what's your normal practice times? 2.45 to 5.45. Monday through Friday? Monday through Friday. On Wednesdays, we do stuff like choreography or um, I want to start some like little mini nutrition talks. We'll do like routine checklists, kind of just academic check-ins, all the kind of the things that... that are hard to get to on the, on the other days of the week when we're doing all the gymnastics. So, yeah. and then we do on Sundays, we do recovery cardio together as a team and therapy. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Now to kind of wrap it up, um, what are some of the things that, you know, you want to leave with the viewers and the listeners about stout? What should they know about stout? Um, and what should they look forward to, um, this season in the gymnastics program? Um, Hmm. So many. I think I hope that it shows we're we're just a very like human first program. Right. And so we're looking at the academic side of it, the athletic side of it. But all of those things are like human first. Like what are your emotional, mental, physical needs? Let's take care of all of that. And then we'll get the rest of the stuff comes with that. Um, so that's just one of our like as a, as a coaching staff, we're just very strong on and in the, in the hiring process and who I wanted to bring onto the team. That was really important to me. Um, so I, I guess that's who we are. Um, what should you look forward to you? Everything really, I hope to be, I think bars has been our lowest scoring event the last couple of years. It really like during COVID that year, that ended short because of COVID we graduated like the entire, um, I think the whole competitive lineup, it might've been in, in the two alternates. So like literally the top seven or eight bar workers graduated and were done in that year. So that was like, that was a big dip for the team wise. And then we've been building back up. So I think looking for that continued building on our bar lineup, I think the same on vault, we made progress last year with adding difficulty in our vault lineup. Look for more this year. Um, the other thing that's cool to watch if you're like a year to year person, and I, I don't know how much you see this in D1, but it's a really cool aspect of D3 and of our gym is athletes that were on the team last year will have new, new skills 
Like they will learn stuff from last year to this year. So it's been some of them were in the lineup, some of them weren't in the lineup, but we have like these side projects going on that we're kind of building and spending time on. So I think it's fun to see in a in a college team because I I mean I know the like behind the scenes of it, but the girls yeah. or the athletes who come in and are doing like a layout Yurchenko and now they're competing their tuck full or new vaults that they're learning and, and new yeah. bar releases and new floor passes. So I think be excited for the growth there. And then in general, I would say if your listeners haven't been paying attention to D3 college gymnastics, they need to start because there's some really high level uh, gymnastics being done there. We're yeah. certainly in the mix, but look at your past two years champions, Oshkosh, uh, Lacrosse, Whitewater, all all those teams are doing some really Brockport. There's like teams out east. I'm just not as familiar with them because we see the ones here, but yeah. I think just the um, viewing experience of D3 gymnastics is improving a lot. And I think the level of D3 gymnastics has increased a ton in the past few years. So people should check back in if they haven't. And like, if they haven't in a while, it's yeah. exciting to watch, but love it. Love it. It's a little less predictable, I think, than D1 too. So if you want to see a meet that you don't just know who's going to win and about what score they're going to get, watch some, get some D3 love going. Love it. Well, thank you so much, KJ, for joining yeah. the podcast and talking about your new opportunity as a head coach this season. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It was cool kind of talking about your journey and how you were international with your gymnastics coaching and how it's also related to what's being seen here in the U.S. and um, especially with Olympics coming up and these past world championships. Um, so thank you again for tuning into another uh, episode of Heated Conversations. Um, if you like the podcast, please share, please subscribe and hit that notification bell. So then you can get, um, notifications of any and, uh, of the new podcast coming up and please leave comments, uh, any questions that you may have or any, um, things that I might be leaving out or anything like that. I'd love to be able to, uh, share those things and have those conversations. Thank you again and see you guys on the next episode.